Welcome to Top Shelf Talks. Opinions from this podcast are those of the host or their guests only. No information on this podcast should be taken for legal, tax, or investment advice. Welcome back to Top Shelf Talks. I'm Chris Kicker, your host. We're doing change it up a little bit. Tom's not on here with us today, but I have my really good friend, Kevin Bailey. Kevin, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, Chris. How are you doing? I am doing awesome. So today we're going to be talking about mortgages. Kevin has been, I know, in the mortgage industry for at least 20 years. I know he ran his own company back in the day. Can you give us a quick background, Kevin, of what your history in mortgage, what your experiences have been? Yes, Chris. Uh, I've been doing this about 28 years. I started off on the BC side, which is the lending to people with probably uh, lesser credits. Opened my own mortgage company up for 12 years. After the 12-year period in 2008, we'll discuss that. Everything changed, and I went to work for a bank. And I've been working for a bank for the last 15 years. And I know recently there's been a lot of news industry with real estate. It's been one of the hottest markets, at least here in North Florida. I think in Central Ohio from where you're from, it's also been pretty hot. So what's the mortgage market versus the real estate market? How do you dis- differentiate the two? Well, that's a good question. The mortgage market versus the real estate market depends on mortgages by themselves really depend on the real estate market. I'll give an example. Right right now, nothing's much changed. Our rates are still maybe a little higher. Closing costs are the same. But for an average house in Ohio, let's say it's 300, the last 20 offers I've had have been 330 to 350. People were bringing 30 to $50,000 over asking price which knocks out a lot of people that can't afford to do that. Yeah, because that's cash that they, they can't add it on to the mortgage, right? That's cash you have to bring to the table. And who gets crushed the most is the first-time home buyer. Because if you had a house for 200 now it's worth three. You're buying a house for five, four or five years ago. You're just taking $100,000, and it just lines up with a new home. Right. But the people buying a home for the first time, they're the ones, they, they don't have that money. They're the ones that are getting left out. I know with the recent Fed rate increases, and that's what everybody's hearing on the news. Does that evenly correlate to the mortgage market, or is there a more differentiator our listeners could look for in the mortgage market? Can you explain some of that? Yeah, I mean, what a correlation of the mortgage market is fair. I honestly think that a 6-5 rate with today's inflation, the rates have been, you know, I mean, uh, last year at this time, they were 2.875. Right. So a lot of people bought homes and got in. The downside is, is that if you are buying a home for six or seven thousand dollars, and you were qualified at three percent, a lot of people now are not qualifying at six or seven. They have to buy lesser of a home. Yeah, it's kind of putting a squeeze on it, then, right? It's, put, it's putting a squeeze on everybody in the development of a mortgage when people are in the market for a mortgage. And we're talking about purchasing a home right now, but we'll we'll get on refinancing because I'm sure you do a lot of refinancing, right? I do both. Most of my business has been 75% the last 28 years refinancing. At today's market right now, 90% is purchased. Yeah, because the rates are up. So everybody has these like rates at 3%. Who wants to go to 6%, right? Nobody. Right, exactly. You know, nobody, nobody. You know, so I, we're doing a lot of outside-the-box stuff. A lot of people right now obviously are getting second mortgages or lines of credit, which makes sense because they don't have to touch their first mortgage. So let's talk about purchasing a little bit. So when you're purchasing a home, uh, obviously it's probably best to come see somebody like you prior to them actually linking with a real estate agent, or is it something that can be done after they find the home? What's the best approach for folks? 
The best approach is going to be either way. What's going to happen is if you do call real estate agents, they're going to send you to a lender ASAP. They want to know and the sellers want to know that you're pre-qualified to buy the home, which is fair for everybody. We don't, nobody's wasting nobody's time. And then if somebody came to you and pre-qualified, what kind of things do you need from them when they first come to talk to you? Is it just their name and social security number or do they need documents or anything like that? We don't look at documents and stuff, but it, it comes down to the three C's, capacity, collateral, and credit. We're going to look at your job history. Hopefully you got a couple years. We're, we're going to look and see what you want to put down for a down payment and verify it. And we're obviously going to look at your credit score. That carries a lot of weight right now. If you have decent credit and been on a job for a couple of years and a down payment, it's not too hard to get a home. If you don't have one of those three, it can be very different and very difficult to get a house. That said, uh, when they contact you, you said you know the three C's. Is it something that you're finding in the market that people are shopping around for mortgages, or they kind of stick with the horse that they have? Or what are you What are you seeing in the market? That's a good question. I'm finding out more this year than I ever had in 28 years. These are my customers that were extremely loyal to me are shopping around three eight seven five versus four, and you got it. You've been up for a long time. People say, well, right now. The market is so competitive. People are shopping five or ten banks. A rate could be six five at one bank, six seven in another, and seven in a third. Seeing more and more and more people shopping around right now, which I don't blame them. Right. But one thing I want to stress is, and we'll get into the most important thing. I hope people realize is not just rate. It's rate and closing costs are married together, married together totally, and getting a mortgage. And yeah, and we'll, we'll discuss that. But it really makes a difference. You have to understand that. Right. I'm buying a home. I got a contract on a new house or on a house I'm ready to purchase, we've agreed upon the sale price. First steps are what? Contact you, and then where do you go from there? To contact us, and we verify your income, run some numbers for your debt ratio, verify your down payment, and then we write a pre-approval letter saying, yes, we verified you have 10% down, you qualify credit-wise, and you're pre-approved to buy this house. At that point, you show that to the realtor or the seller, and you can make your bid on the home. Hopefully, you win the bid, and it goes it goes from there. A signed contract. That's when this competitive thing starts. That's when you actually start talking to them about certain options. Because I know there's like a ton of options when it comes to mortgages. I'm just going to name a couple examples, and you can dig deeper. One is obviously a fixed rate or conforming, what we would call conforming loan, fifteen year, thirty year. And then you have other products like ARMS, which are just by rate mortgages. Could you kind of explain to the audience here the different types and what the advantages and disadvantages of them are? I can, but a lot of times what happens is we don't have to wait until there's a signed contract. Once I pull your credit and I know you're looking for a home, I start giving you advice and trying to figure out what's best for you as far as what program works. So I'm going to look at you and I'm say, how long are you planning on staying in the house? That's the million dollar question. The average person stays four years and eight months. And either refis, moves, purchases, upgrades, downgrades. At that point, I say, well, you can get a rate right now in this market on an arm 2% less than a fixed rate. What works best for you? I, I get an option with everybody and individually and try to find out what works for them. Also, the government programs with a lot of VA, because if you're, uh, you're a VA, it's 100% finance. FHA has loans and stuff now where they give you grants. We get you in for half percent. So another key factor is where are you at, where are you at in your life? How much money do you have to put down? How good a job? How much job time do you have? And and where's your credit level at? I take all those factors into play 
and I pick the program. I talk to you about what's best for you. So let's talk a little bit about VA. You say 100% VA and FHA. Those are with a, that's no down, basically 100% financing. I mean, you'd finance Correct. the entire purchase price of the house. Right? Correct. So VA is 100%. Uh, an FHA will be like 3%. Conforming is 5%. So I tell people, if you can come up with 2% more, you can always borrow off a relative because conforming is usually the better rate and conforming has a, a lot, lot lower closing costs. The and difference could be a VA loan or FHA loan could be $4,000 closing costs. A conforming loan could be $1,500 closing costs. So let's dig into that a little bit, the closing costs, because you say conforming, and that means you're going through a private lender, not through a government-sponsored program, right? Correct. So there's costs, yeah. obviously, with going through a government-sponsored program, which you said usually three to $4,000? Even up to five. You know, I mean, nothing's free. You know, the government's going to charge a higher fee. But they're also taking a risk factor because they're getting a house with a 1% or zero down. Conforming, it starts at 5%, but a lot of people put down 20%. Something else we don't understand is very important is a word called mortgage insurance. Put down 20%, you don't have to pay mortgage insurance, which is private mortgage insurance is very, very expensive. On a $300,000 home, it's two fifty a month that you never get back. That's PMI. People call it PMI for short, private mortgage yeah, insurance. PMI, yeah, PMI. Yeah, so it's definitely a factor. But again, not everybody has 20% down. Let's say you get in an FHA program. Five years later, your life's changed. You have value. Now you have 20%. Then you refinance through conforming loan and get rid of the PMI. Right. Yep. You know, you don't want to pay for 30 years. That's not the idea. You want to pay for as short as you can just to use it to get the home. To do a conforming, you obviously have to have 5% down, good credit, a solid source of income. And then obviously the loan to value needs to be the value of the house that you're purchasing needs to be what you're buying it for, right? Correct. And that's every loan. You know, I mean, you, know, you, you can't buy beyond. So the $108,000 contract, the house has to appraise for 180. Okay. If the house appraises for 170, you have a couple options. The first option is your realtor will negotiate with a seller's realtor, or if they won't give, you bring the difference to the if table. You want the house. Yeah, to the closing. The closing. Yeah. And if the banks are only going to take a risk for what the house appraises. If if I'm in the market and whatever, and I'm I'm I've talked to you, we've got a house contract. Kind of step us through what the process is. How long does it take? You know, what are the things that the people need to have prepared whenever they're are in a contract, and then have obviously the application process with you. It comes down to how busy the banks are in the market. Two years ago, it was taking sixty days. Right now, most banks are closing loans in thirty days or less, guaranteed. And it's the same process. It's just the underwriters on the bid. We're going to ask you for your W two. We're going to want to see your last two years W twos, your last two paychecks, and proof of your down payment. Pretty simple. Okay. We're gonna make. We're gonna look at that. We're gonna ver- verify. We're gonna do some math and verify you can afford the house. We're going to look and see if you have a down payment. Right now, we ordered appraisal five days later. Uh, we're closing purchases in twenty-one days. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah, you know, it's, I mean, even fourteen days because you know it's it's just uh, you know it's incredible right now. Huh? But, you know, we're closing too fast. Yeah. You know, they're done in fourteen days and they sit they sit and wait forty-five days because. The agreement with seller was they don't want to rush out. Right. You know, they want to take your time moving and stuff. Most of my sellers are sitting ready to close 60 days or 30 days before before closing. Well, that's great to have a ready to close status. Yeah, it and is. Yeah, yeah. It's, it yeah. is. Yeah. Because I know I've been in deals where it's right up to the wire. I've been in those deals many times. It's nerve-wracking. Right. 
You know what I mean? You know, it's no good for me either. But it, it's give and take. When you have 35 deals going, it's nerve-wracking. But obviously, uh, you know, everything's a lot better from the bank standpoint. The bank making more money. Right. And when you have four deals going, you have all the time in the world to get them done. But obviously, <laughs> that is exciting, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's give and take on, you know, on everything in life. So let's do a history lesson here. You started in the mortgage industry in 1999, 98. Yeah, I, I started in the middle, like 1994, 1995. Okay. And back then you started out in what we would call subprime lending. I think is subprime lending even exist anymore. Okay. So subprime existing was 100% killed and done in 2009. Obviously everybody that was around for a while knows anything in 2008. That was when the mortgage industry along with the economy and the government stepped in with TARP. Give us a little history lesson of what your life was before 2008 and then kind of what you moved forward because I've known you for a long time, you had to kind of pick up the pieces a little bit and redefine your business model, right? 100%. When I first started, I guess I could say it was like the wild, wild west. If you had a 600 credit score, the lenders were all giving you 100% financing. A lot of them were giving you 104% financing. Here's the problem with that, though, is the customer had no skin in the game. So what happened is as time goes on, and then two years later, your house goes up from 170 to 190, you borrow again 100%. When 08 came with TARP, what happened was the house was originally 170 and went to 220, was back to 160. The, the banks didn't want the paper. They foreclosed because they don't want a house $70,000 upside down. But guess what? The consumer didn't want it either. Yeah. You know, why, why are you going to keep it? You know what I mean? Even people with, with good credit walked away and foreclosed. And that's what happened. The market went in, all these foreclosures started, and it was up to 23% foreclosure rate. And you got to remember back. When I started, there was no credit score. Oh, I go wow. back that far. There, wow. there was actually no credit score. I look at a credit report and it'd be blank. Wow. And I go to a box, I sit with me, and I hand it to him and hit grade it. A, B, C, D, E. A was 9, 9, B was 10, 9, and so on. That was it. That was that simple. Wow. And there also was no computers. There was no comps or anything on the computer. Comps were all done with the Polaroid. Right. I remember those days, yes. You have a house sitting in rural Ohio, and you're going to a big lender, and you're from a mortgage company, and you turn around, and your guy goes out and appraises it for 160 The person is sitting in California. How much indication did they have on, on judging what a house is worth in rural Ohio? There was no computer to use. Right, no Zillow. They go online and look and, 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 and try to look at a few things, not very much. They had to depend on the appraiser's free comp. Well, what do you think the appraisers did back then? That just was business. If the house, there's a little window between 150 and 170, they usually pushed them a little higher mm -hmm. towards, the one, towards the 160, 165 side. Then what happens is everybody in the world in 08, the values drop, and all these people have these homes, and half of them are worth less than they pay. Yeah, I remember it all. And that's to that's stop the lender because, you know, it wasn't me. And, you know, I mean, I, I can still do my job. Everything was still the same. I could still collect the W-2s, but the lenders all start, you know, cracking down because they realized, you know, they had all this paper that was no good. A lot of them had 25% loans that were upside down. Past, so after 2008, what changed, I guess, in the market for you? I know they, Congress took some acts and there was some the ver verification stuff happening. There was a lot more regulation, right? Hunter, yes. Congress acts and it acts. A, a lot more regulation. And what happened was I went to work for a bank. People were still buying homes. 
it was just a whole different way. They were putting down more money. So now they had skin in the game, which was a higher odds for the bank. Mm-hmm. Still buying houses. It's just that they weren't using houses, I guess, for a credit card anymore. Right, That's a good yeah. way to go. Yeah, right. They weren't using houses for a credit card anymore. You're buying homes. And it's still that way today. It's still really competitive. Even though rates are higher, talking the other day, and, you know, and I myself have nine people that are pre-approved that can't find a home still. Right. Extremely, it's a 100% seller's market. And that hasn't changed much. And that's why the Fed keep raising rates. And if you look at our, everything, if you read indicators and stuff, it's not changing. People are still spending money. Unemployment's back below 4%. Right. Everybody's working. Everybody's making money. So the Fed's are forced to keep raising and raising these rates because they're trying to even it out. And it's to the point, you know, the last thing I read the other day was not good because it, it, it wasn't what the Fed thought. So we're talking, it, it, it bumped a quarter. You're talking that probably this time, two more half percent bumps this year. Oh, yeah. I know. I hear, I hear it all in the news, too. Yes. Yeah. But we're still not the not affecting people, but like I mentioned at the very beginning, it might affect the amount of home you can buy. Right. At 8% versus 3 you're going to have to make a, you know, I mean, that's a mortgage payment of maybe 1500 to 2500 Wow. That, you know, that's a huge difference. Oh, yeah. Probably $200,000 house, right? Difference? Yes. Yeah. It could be easily. Yeah. Yes. So now try to find in a hot market a $200,000 less house. That's a real tough one there. It's a real tough one there. And a lot of people don't 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 want to find a two hundred thousand dollar less house, right? Because you know they they want to get the house they wanted. And what happens is I have friends in this situation. The house they're they're in for four, the house they're looking at for six is no nicer than the house they bought for four. Ugh. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, it's it, 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 it's the same home five years later. Yeah, it doesn't make now any sense. They're, now they're stepping up and a realtor showing them a house for eight fifty. Ugh. Nine hundred thousand. Yeah. You know, yeah, five thousand dollar a month mortgage for thirty years. Oh. Uh yeah. So that that's worth that. And a first time home buyer, it's really tough because anything around two two fifty, everybody wants to buy that home because they can afford it. Even at already seven percent, those are usually gone. Twenty five or thirty bids on those the first weekend. Yeah, same here in North Florida. I mean, and then what they're having is these companies are coming in that want to rent them out, and they're giving cash offers, close quickly. Really, yeah, puts them that's, in a, the that's a big thing. That's a big thing. You know what I mean, because you know the, the rent's hot too. There's a couple people that were going to sell, and uh, my friend, my good friend John, has moved to Florida. He paid, I think, eighty seven for a house fifteen years ago. Uh, we did a loan for one ninety four four years ago. They gave him a cash offer of two seventy. He took it, moved to Florida, and bought a house. And they're running that home right now for twenty one hundred dollars a month in a, in, a, in a not a very great neighborhood. And the house is only fourteen hundred square feet. Of, and, uh, it's yeah. crazy out there. It's crazy. So, in closing, uh, I guess for the listeners, what do you give as advice if they're in the market right now? Wait, should they go ahead or just continue on and still search? I mean, it, you sound very positive here. A lot more positive than some of the news stories I've seen. It's a tough call, but I mean, if you're in a home and you're not forced to buy, you might want to try to wait it out. But the problem is the people that have tried to wait it out have been losing. They didn't build, you know, and when you built three years later, now all of a sudden, you know, you wish they would have, they wish it would have bit the bullet because they lost out of the house for $200,000 more. Right. Yeah. Said at the beginning, if you have $100,000 you're making on your home, and you're paying $100,000 more for your next home, you put that money down, it ends up being a wash. Right. Again, it comes down to closing costs and rates. I can't, I can't justify that enough because some bank might quote 6.5 closing costs 
with $5,000, a 6.5 rate with $5,000 closing costs. A lot of people don't understand that. I got 6.5. The other bank, 6.6 with $1,200 closing costs. Yeah. That's when you need somebody, either a financial advisor like Tom, yep. or you need a good experienced lender to explain to you the difference and break it down for you and say, well, in those $5,000, what is your break-even period? If you're paying you know, $100 a month less, it's going to take you six years to get to get that money back in closing costs. So that that that's the main key. You have to really put the two together because they you know they go hand in hand. I'll put in the description for anybody who wants to get a hold of you. You're uh, available to help them out, either consulting or actually walking them through the process of a mortgage. Still, either way, and we just about a year ago, you know, we were we were in Ohio, and our bank moved to Florida. Okay. So now we know we're 100% qualified. I think the blue loans in Florida also. Oh, that's awesome. And you can do Ohio, obviously, right, too? I can do Ohio, Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania, and, and Florida. Okay. Well, I'll put all of the your information in the description of the podcast. So if anybody wants to reach out to Kevin, uh, feel free to. I'll leave his email and his uh, telephone number. I'm sure he'll be more than happy to help you out, even just answering questions or actually walking you through a mortgage process. So any last words, Kevin? Again, I think it's finding a seasoned person. I mean, that goes from lawyers to financial advisors to accountants. You want to find somebody, a lot of people with two or three years, nothing against it, but they don't have a 28 years experience to know all these programs and to do what's right for you. It's taking me a long time to get in this position where I can look at somebody and put them in the best position and the best product for them. All righty. Well, again, it's been great, Kevin. I appreciate your time, and I'm sure we'll be doing it again here shortly. Okay, Chris. Thank Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you.